happening through our church in different places of the world. Sometimes in the speed of what we do, and uh, sometimes we don't carry you guys along with us and communicate with you as well as we should about some of the mission work that we have going on in our church. In fact, as we're here today, we've got a young lady in India that's uh, serving the Lord. I don't know how long Hannah will be gone, but it'll be several weeks. She's in, she's in India serving the Lord. And this summer, we've had several trips that uh, we've been involved in. And so we're going to take a few moments. I told them they had very few moments, uh, but they're going to come and share a little bit about what God has done through you, through them, for his honor and glory, okay? Let me just kind of remind you of a few things. We've, uh, uh, you're going to be hearing more and more of some other opportunities. We've got a, a mission trip coming up to Marion, Arkansas in a few weeks to give out backpacks to a, a, a lower economic area, and some of you uh, ought to be involved in that. It's going to be a family thing. You're going over on a Saturday morning, coming back on a Saturday evening. You can take your kids with you, and it'll be an incredible opportunity there, so you'll hear a little bit more about that. We've got some prison work coming up, uh, maybe some construction work. God's doing, and Gail's going to actually close our little time because I want to tell you, God is doing an amazing thing in our prison ministry, and that's led by Gail. And I'm just blown away about the opportunity and the potential. One other thing you're going to be hearing about, I'm letting the cat out of the bag. I'm probably going to get in trouble. Uh, but we've got a new ministry started called Recess. And in a few weeks, maybe a month, you're going to hear more about that. But it basically, it's an opportunity for um, parents of special kids to come and drop off their kids and have a night out or a date night, and we take care of their children. It's an incredible... I don't know of any other church doing that, frankly. I, I, I Prophetically, I think it's going to become a major ministry in the life of Indian Spring. It's absolutely incredible, gang. We, I think in the first one or the second one we did, one of the dads brought their child, and he's a single dad, and he said, I don't even know where to go. Isn't that right, Terry? He said, I've never, never, had, I've never had time to myself. And I'm getting, I see your look. I'm, I let the cat out of the bag. I'm in trouble. I'm, it's okay. I'm your pastor. I can do that, right? I still get my paycheck Friday? Yeah, good. Uh, but let me tell you, that's going to be an exciting, exciting ministry. You're going to be hearing about In fact, one of our ladies, when I mentioned, said, I want to know about that because that's what I do. So there's just a lot of good things, gang, and we're going to continually try to bring that to your forefront, okay? Cole, come up here first. Cole's going to start us out. Cole Durham grew up here. Uh, he's a whole lot better than his daddy, I'm telling you. And uh, we had the opportunity to help Cole go on a mission trip, I think, to Washington State, right? And Cole's going to come and start us off. And then after that, you're going to hear from the, the Taylor family who went to Peru. After that, you'll hear from our Macedonian trip group, uh, the Willises and uh, um, uh, Wes McFarland. He'll be sharing. After that, Gail's going to come and kind of wrap up with our uh, prison ministry. So uh, you the man. Thank you. I love you, brother. God bless you. All right, uh, my name is Cole Durham. Uh, I am a junior at the University of Arkansas. I am uh, majoring in electrical engineering up there. And uh, my freshman year, I joined a ministry up there called Thrive. Now Thrive, uh, it's a fairly new, growing ministry. It's, um, we have a praise and worship on Tuesdays, and uh, we have uh, several Bible studies throughout the week. And uh, well, uh, my freshman year, we started out having 30, 35 uh, average students every week. and. Uh, this past year, we actually averaged about 70, so uh, it was, it's a growing ministry, but um, during the fall semester uh, of this past year, uh, we, got, we connected with a, a man named Russell Knight uh, via Skype uh, at one of our praise, praise and worships, 
And uh, he told us about a, a ministry or a, a, a mission trip that we could all take part in and uh, go up there. And he's a church planner up in Seattle or a small town called Tumwater right outside of Seattle. And uh, so I volunteered along with uh, 12 others to go up there during our spring break of this, uh, this past semester to, uh, to help them out. And uh, so, um, of course, the, it was a small price tag. And so me being the stereotypical college kid went straight to the parents for help. <laughs> and, uh, and they helped me out. And uh, some of the, my parents and the, some of the leaders in Thrive were also suggested that we go to our churches for help. And so I went to the missions committee, and they were also able to help me out financially with, uh, with this mission trip. So but uh, spring break came, and we flew out to Seattle on Saturday. And throughout the week, we were able to work with uh, two church planters up there. And uh, churches there, they're very rarely, they're not as common as you see here. You can drive a mile here and see probably four or five. And uh, there, you, you have to drive a mile to see one, maybe. So uh, a lot of the church planters have allotted to having their, their assemblies in places like uh, school cafeterias or uh, Russell had a uh, his church assembly in a, his coffee shop that he ran and that's how he was able to get the word about about his church but um, we worked with uh, one one church planner and we he uh, had his assembly in a, a church in a sorry a school cafeteria and we were able to spread out about 400 door hangers around neighboring neighborhoods and uh, we also worked with Russell throughout the week and we ended up spreading out about 4,000 door hangers around Tumwater and uh, so that was that was a little bit of what we did with his uh, his church and we also helped out with a couple of charities we helped out with uh, this one charity called Capital Kids Connection it's a charity set up to uh, basically give orphans at Christmas they uh, uh, were moving into a new building and we basically spent four hours unloading toys after toys into this this building and there were only two ladies there uh, so we we helped them out quite a bit, but I'll, every every night we had a devotional as well. But uh, at the end of the week we uh, flew out. We didn't get a chance to uh, see how many new people came uh, that Sunday at Russell's church, and uh, we contacted him Sunday afternoon, and he said uh, nine nine new families had came to his church. So it was it was a pretty cool experience, but. We had a, a lot of fun, a lot of memorable, memorial, memorable moments, <laughs> and uh, I just want to thank everyone here for that opportunity. So, this time. There's some statistics. Um, as Brother Tom said, we're the Taylor family, and we went with a group called E3 Partners. You can look online for information about them, but what they do, it's a mission group that teaches you three E's. Uh, they equip you, you do evangelistic, and then you establish churches. And if you notice that first statistic, there were 700 people that gave their life to Christ. We were there for six days. Um, 
we got pulled into it. We have an older daughter who lives in Dallas who's married, and it worked out that her vacation was going at this time, so asked us if we would go, and we said, okay, well, we'll, we'll try to go, and then they gave us the price tag, and it was a lot, and we're like, we'll see what we can do, and as we went through, we kind of started doing a tip, typical thing, go to Facebook, ask your friends, and we started praying about it and doing that. My wife was committed. I'm going. If you want to go or not, I'm going. And uh, once we got back, we went, as you can see the pictures. Um, the average height is 5'2", so I was a giant there. Um, they were all this tall. But when we got back and started praying and kind of talking about it, I realized here we think we're making all these decisions. And we didn't make one decision. The only thing we did was God said, will you go? And when we said, we'll go, it all happened. I mean, we don't know how. I mean, his price tag was $10,000, $2,500 piece. So we're like, we can't do that. And we had two months to raise it. So we got there, and it was, it was just one thing after another, God showing us, you sing, you, I'll follow you, but will you? And when we said we would, it was just, it was amazing to see how much God did through us. And typically the parent does all the talking, so I asked my kids to come up with how they, and they, they wrote their own things. We didn't do it for them. So I wanted you to hear from their perspective kind of what they got from it because it's a legacy system. So what it is is instead of teaching your kids go to Orlando every year for vacation, we do a mission trip. There's me as a giant. We did a lot of things, but the thing that affected me the most was when I went door-to-door -door with my translator. I'm extremely afraid of speaking in front of people, especially strangers, but God gave me courage to speak, and he gave me the words to say. Usually adults don't really care about what I, as a kid, have to say, but in Peru, the adults didn't care that I was a kid. They cared about uh, that I was coming to speak about God, and because of that, the people that I visited got saved. Hello. Um, I'm just going to share with you all a little bit of the experience that I had. And it was such a learning and growing experience for me. I learned so much from all the people that I was surrounded by with our team members and my family and all the people that we got to meet. But one thing that I will always have in my heart as a Christian that I learned was, um, well, I'm really good with working with kids. I work at Family Farm. I'm a counselor there. But talking to older people really intimidates me. Um, all of us are we're kind of shy, and we don't like speaking to older people, but, um, you know, I was so, of course, I was very worried. I was very nervous. I didn't know, you know, I've always kind of envied the people that always seem to have the right words, know the right things to say, and I've never felt that I was kind of one of those people. I always kind of get nervous and clammy. I don't know what the answer is, and, um, but on the way there, um, on the plane, I actually was reading, and I came across uh, Jeremiah 1, 6 through 10, which talks about, um, they're saying, you know, I'm a child. I'm only a child. How can I, you know, go work for you? I, you know, and God says in there, don't worry. You have nothing to be afraid about because I'm going to speak through you. And after I read that, I just felt so relieved. I was like, God, you're speaking to me. Like, I have nothing to be worried about. And so, while we were there all week, time and time again, you know, 
I would come in situations where I was like, oh my gosh, like what do I say? And I would just remember that verse and pray to God and say, Lord, help me, speak through me. And he would. And it was just so amazing to have that experience. You know, and I just realized that it's not about what we say. It's not about me. It's not about any of us. It's about God. You know, it's God is speaking through us. It's not about what we think, what our opinion is. It's about God. So I give all the glory to God because everything that we did and we said and, you know, all the people that were saved, it wasn't because of us. It was because of what God was doing through us. So thank you. Wow, how do I follow that up? (laughs) As a parent, this is awesome to experience. So if you've never experienced mission work with your children, I suggest you do because to um, while we were there, we had group teams of two, and we were all paired with translators and local pastors um, of different churches, and we would go out in their area because if there if there's not a church within walking distance, then people don't get to go to church. So it was amazing to see how God paired each one of our families up with someone that fit that preacher and what his area needed and what he needed. So it was definitely God was working, placing, you know, all of us where we needed to be. And when the first person that I shared the gospel with was a lady who had lost her son and we'd lost a son. So it was like, it was just like God knew she needed someone that had experienced the same thing. And she was also having trouble with her son that she had still alive and he was having trouble with alcoholism and she was just real concerned with him and my husband has had that struggle before so he was able to share with him and sit down for several hours talking to him and he came um, gave dedicated his life to Christ and then we um, our pastor was setting him up with someone um, a rehab center so it was it was just awesome to see how God placed us exactly where we needed to be with the people we needed to share our experiences with. And it's just, so we, like, we weren't with our kids during the day, but when we all met up in the afternoon, just to see the glow on their faces after experiencing God the way they had was just, it was just an awesome feeling. I mean, it's, our family grew together. We grew closer to God together we it's just really changed our life and um God is just amazing just to see him work like that and I had something else I wanted to say but I lost my thought but I'm just so proud of them so proud of my family and um this I mean this is something we can't wait to go back so thank you and we, we do want to say thanks to, there were so many people in the church that came up and that gave donations for um, yard sales and the the church donated and people we know, people we don't know, people just started showing up, um, going to E3 Missions and clicking donate, I mean, from all around the country. So we just appreciate all the support we got in prayer and the donations from everybody in the church. Thank you.
Good morning. Good morning. I got a lot more response to this service. A lot more people too, though. So now I'm more scared. Uh, the Bible says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, I, too, want to say thank you very much for the, the funding and approving the funding to go to uh, Macedonia. Uh, I've amended Wikipedia's definition of the phrase mission statement to fit our context here. They define the words mission statement as a statement of the purpose of a follower of Christ. The mission statement should guide the actions of the follower of Christ. It should spell out its overall goal. It should provide a path, and it should guide decision-making. I challenge us all today to ask ourselves, is my personal mission statement based on the Great Commission? I believe as a follower of Christ that my first act of obedience to my Heavenly Father was to be baptized. And my second act of obedience was to carry out the Great Commission. After my experience in Macedonia, I feel like I've wasted much of my life on selfishness and pride-filled activities. For me, it's all about finishing strong the life that God has given me. The trip to Macedonia itself provided breathtaking, awe-inspiring views. It provided thought-provoking, give-me-a-hug moments. It provided a positive culture shock. It provided great friends and great coffee. Uh, it provided uh, 10 days in the same room with Russell Baker. It provided the chance to see real live missionaries at work. It provided inspiration beyond description. It provided emotional breakdowns when least expected. Most of all, it provided God a chance to work through me and enable me to be the follower of Christ that he wants me to be. Okay. Um, hello, my name hello. is Dina Wills, and I wanted to thank Indian Springs for allowing us the opportunity to go serve overseas in Prelet Macedonia. I want to thank my dear prayer warriors for being um, praying for us constantly while we were gone. Uh, I'm tr I was told just to pick one or two things to share with you guys. I wish I could share so many things with you all. God blessed our efforts and he had favor upon us as we journeyed in Prelet. However, one statement made by a Macedonian man is one that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And I would like to share that with you. Walter, Amy, which is Brother Tom's daughter in love, and I went on a home visit to a precious couple's house by the name of Robert and Rosita. Their home is small. They rent, a, they rent their home in a building that looks like an apartment building. We had to go up several flights to reach their home. When we arrived, we sat in a small living room where Rosita had set up a card table and had uh, a spread of food set out for us. She had prepared a five-course meal. The generosity and hospitality the Macedonians have is like nothing I have ever experienced. After our delicious meal, we were served coffee and were really able to sit and visit with each other. My heart was instantly drawn to Rosita's and Walter's was to Robert's. One thing that must be understood is that most Macedonians are Orthodox. 
If you ask one of them if they know Christ, they will say, of course, I'm a Christian. However, they pray to saints, and they're very ritualistic. They don't know the concept of having a relationship with the Creator. To leave the Orthodox Church and accept Jesus Christ as Savior, followed it by baptism, is like turning your back on the church and your family, because that is the way you were raised. Robert and Rosita are very close to converting to Christianity. They have lots of questions and are very interested in the Bible and learning the truth. While I was ministering to Rosita, I overheard Robert speaking to Walter. He said, how come it is the church had to come from Arkansas in America to speak with us? How come Jeff and Amy had to leave their home in America to share the gospel? The Orthodox Church doesn't do this. We have to pay to speak with our priest. We have to pay for him to pray for us. Wow, in that one statement, I could feel the moanings of grief of our Lord and Savior. My eyes were open to the importance and the necessity of mission work. I never really got it until I heard it with my own ears from the cries of a man half a world away. I will treasure many things from my Macedonian trip, but this one conversation I'll never forget. The work of our missionaries is so important. The sacrifices they make will probably, we will probably never fully understand. With this in mind, I came across this verse, or should I say God revealed it to me yesterday. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. It's hard to follow that, but anyway, I'm going to try. I'm kind of a fly-by-the-seat-of-the-pants kind of person. Dina likes to get stuff wrote down, and me and me and Russell, wherever he, there he is over there, we're kind of the same. And uh, he made Dina nervous the whole time we were there because he said, we're just going to go and let God do what he wants to do. And Dina was like, no, we can't do that. we got to have something scheduled, you know. we got to." And so anyway, so, but, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a huge, huge opportunity to go and it's because of the church and and I thank you so much for financially supporting us and 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 for most of all your prayers because it was felt we could feel the power of the prayers and we know you you were praying for us while we were there and um, it was just an amazing trip and actually my trip started before we even left um, whenever I heard about the opportunity to go on a mission trip my wife and I had always wanted to have the opportunity to do so and we've done you know in state missions and you know in other states here in, in the US before but we've never gone overseas so when we had the opportunity we 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 said yeah we'd love to go and and one of the things before we went we had to go through a mandatory study talking about missions and kind of kind of get your heart right and to be honest, you know, my heart really wasn't right. And if I was going, think I was just going to go on this trip, you know. And uh, this first, second not, uh, time we met, I don't remember what it was, but we were praying. And all of a sudden, the Lord just squeezed my heart. And I started. I never had met Macedonian people before. And, and I was a giant there, by the way, brother. I was also a giant. And people looked at me and thought that, you know, I was German, which I do have German in me, and they kept trying to speak German to me, and I couldn't speak German, but 
anyway, a lady got mad because I couldn't speak German. And anyway, and so, uh, but the Lord just grabbed my heart and, and, and he said, you're not broken for these people. And I was and I was like, how can I be broken for people I haven't met? And all of a sudden he started just bringing faces to me and, and, and just looking at kids in the eyes and, and not, my heart was just broken for them. And people I'd never even met before, I was just just crying out for them, for God to use us in a mighty way to, to save, you know, a lost Macedonian nation. And, um, you know, we didn't win anybody to Christ while we were there, and that wasn't the whole focus. But the focus was to get them one step closer than before we came. And we had a huge connection with Robert and Rosita, a couple there, and they had a little boy, and, and we, in, in America, we, his name would be Isaac, but they called him Esau. And uh, he just connected with me instantly. Of course, I'm a goofball. So, you know, little kids, they follow me around because I'm a little kid at heart. So, anyway, I was just messing with him, tickling him, doing kind of stuff, and took my hat off, putting it on his head, and doing peekaboo and all this. And he kept saying this word over and over and over again. And, of course, I don't speak Macedonian, obviously. So, I didn't know what he was saying. And I asked his dad, Robert, I said, what is he saying? He said, he's calling you uncle. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, that just that blessed my heart because, you know, I knew that I was making an impact in this little boy's life. And, and that was what it was all about, just leaving a mark for Christ and just giving up of yourself and looking up to God and saying, God, it's not for me, it's for you. It's to give you glory and honor to your name. And I thank you for allowing us to do that. They didn't tell me we could have pictures. <laughs> Each week I have the privilege of representing Indian Springs uh, as a Southern Baptist chaplain inside the Arkansas Department of Corrections. This coming Tuesday I'll be teaching at the um, McPherson Women's Prison in Newport. Wednesday I'll be at uh, Hawkins Women's Prison in Wrightsville. And um, the um, curriculum we use... Uh, we have to do a syllabus and lesson plans. We turn them into the Arkansas Department of Corrections, and we list one textbook. And every inmate that chooses to participate in the program has to have the textbook. And this is a textbook. It's called God's Word. And because we list it as a textbook and a resource, we're able to use it in a state facility. And that's a God thing that he's opened that door. And it's really amazing when you go in and... Uh, I can go in with a lesson in my head, and you open the book, and God takes over, and you just kind of hang on, see what's going to happen that day. But it's amazing to watch God draw the inmates to himself and begin a transformation process because it's not a program. Inmates, I talked to one inmate the other day that had been through 24 recovery programs. It's not about a program. It's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because he's the only true and lasting change in our life. And when these men and women leave prison, they're going home as Christians. One got out just a couple of weeks ago. This was her seventh time in prison. But this is her first time to leave prison as a new creature in Christ. And she calls almost every other day and so excited about what God's doing. And um, she called and she said, Gail, you know how you told us God has a sense of humor? I said, yeah. She said, uh, my parole officer lives two houses down from me. 
<laughs> I said, God's taking care of you. You know, that's the way it works. Um, and it's a volunteer program. Um, not everyone that comes in finishes the program, but out of the ones that have graduated over the last 10 years, out of the ones that have graduated, we have a recidivism rate of 9%. And the recidivism rate for Arkansas Department of Corrections general population is 53%. And that means the likelihood of people going back to prison. And so less than a year ago, uh, ADC came. Uh, our, our program is called PAL, it's P-A-L, stands for Principles and Applications for Living. And they asked us to implement the PAL training in every men and women's prison in the state of Arkansas. So pray that God will bring leaders, people willing to go into prison and teach, and for the support that we need there. But um, they can mandate it, but they don't um, support it. And we're supported by a nonprofit ministry called Prison to Purpose. And if you have a chance, go online sometime today or this week and to prisontopurpose.com and listen to some of the ladies' testimonies. Because as the lives are transformed, you truly see it. It starts with their countenance. Their whole being just changes. And as you watch their testimonies, look at the peace and the joy they have in their, in their face and in their hearts. And then you'll see it in their character and their character qualities and their conduct. And um, the Prison to Purpose ministry has been invited by nine other states to implement the training in different state facilities there. Less than a, two months ago, we had uh, a mission trip where a group of six ex-felons, and this was made possible by Bob Fielding at the Arkansas Baptist Building, Stu's father-in-law. He works with us, he teaches. Um, six ex-felons went to a mission trip to Haiti in the Dominican Republic, went into the women's prisons there, and the uh, president or whatever you call it in Haiti issued a proclamation that the only prison ministry that can go into women's prisons in Haiti now is prison to purpose. So anybody that goes has to go under our, our banner. And this past weekend, I was at some training, and um, I was invited to sit on the board for prison to purpose, which now gives Indian Springs uh, a driving role in how this ministry will shape the future. So I just want to thank you for the opportunity that you allow me to do this. I'm so proud to be of a church that believes in the Great Commission and in sending people forth and when they call and for your support. Thank you. Well, amen. I got five minutes, don't I? It's not Super Bowl weekend, though, so we're okay. I tell you what, if the average height in Peru is 5'2", I'm gone, man. I can say. Hey, take your Bible real fast. Take your Bible real fast. And I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 28, okay? I don't want you to leave without something from God's Word. And, and so jump real quickly. Matthew 28, we're going to be doing what Wes mentioned, the Great Commission. But I tell you, I want to take a theme of it, okay? A little theme that, to build what I'm going to say to you real quickly around, okay? And my, my theme is this. At the end of it all, at the end of it all, everybody's the same. They're either lost or they're saved. Gang, listen to me. When the dust settles, when the curtain, final curtain is pulled together, when it's all over with but the shouting, when it's all said and done, everybody you know, everybody you know is either saved or lost. Everybody you come into contact with, everybody you, you, you talk to at the end of the day, are going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. 
April 10, 1912, 2,223 people set out on a voyage on the most indestructible boat that had ever been constructed. And yet in less than three hours, that boat was on the bottom of the ocean. 1,500 people either drowned or froze to death. The Titanic was designed to carry 42 lifeboats. It had 20. That 20 could have carried 1,178 people, yet because of panic and because of chaos, only 705 people survived. The guy that authorized the sailing was a guy by the name of Henry Clark. They had a big inquiry, and they, they grilled the guy, and, and they began to ask him why had there only been one lifeboat drill involving only 20 people. That 20 could have saved more lives. More could have saved more lives. But he had, they asked him why. He said, it was custom. They asked him, was it satisfactory? He said, no. And then they asked him, do you always follow the custom even when the custom is bad? Here's what he said. He said, well, I'm a civil servant, and custom guides us a good bit. 1,500 people drowned because a ship followed a custom, because a ship followed the norm. They just did what they always had done, and people drowned and lost their lives because of it. Now, beloved, I know that there's one thing that's unchangeable, and that is the message of God. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ never changes. The gospel is that God gave his only begotten son to die on a cross and shed his blood and to be marred beyond any human recognition because of sin. That message never changes. The beloved, I believe the church today has become so accustomed to the norm, to the custom that we're not willing to do whatever it takes to reach the masses, and as a result, there's very few lifeboats being let down. Let's stand real quickly for God's Word. Let me read the passage. Let me shoot out a couple chewing bites, and we're out of here. Verse 18, Jesus came up, spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. The idea of that therefore is, since I've got it, I'm giving it to you. All authority. Go therefore. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Thanks be seated. Now, the first thing, gang, that strikes us is that there's only one command in this great commission, and it is the command that Jesus tells the church to make disciples. He assumes some things. You remember growing up in school and we talked about participles of the ing words. There are some things that Jesus assumes the church is going to do. He assumes 
that the church is going to be going. He so literally it says, as you are going. He's assuming that we're going to recognize as the body of believers that who have been, who have been saved through the blood of the Lord Jesus, he's, going, he's assuming that we know enough that wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever our stroke of life may be, the primary task is to make disciples of the Lord Jesus. You may be a teacher. You may be a plumber. You might be an electrician. I, I don't know what you may be. But your primary task is not that. Your primary task as you go is to make disciples of the Lord Jesus. That's the command of Jesus Christ to his church. Then he tells us how we're to make disciples. First of all, he says baptizing. That's an I-N-G word. That's one of them participles again. Baptizing them. The first step of obedience. When someone comes to know Christ, we have to let them know that, that it shows out externally what has happened internally. Baptizing. Teaching. The idea of that of teaching is to impart to them gospel truth, gang. The first thing that strikes us here is that God's commanded you and that God has commanded me. And the reason we go on mission trips, the reason we're involved in prison, the reason we go to Macedonia and, and work with my boy over there, and the reason we, we send people to Peru is that the, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus might infiltrate the heart of people so that they might become disciples. Now listen, you can't make a disciple unless you are a disciple. You understand? And you can't tell anybody about God if you don't know much about God. You can't impart gospel truth into a soul if you don't study it and if you don't know it and if you haven't come accustomed to it. Go therefore, he says, into all the world. And as you're going, make disciples by baptizing them, by teaching them. The second thing, real quickly, that strikes us is the word all that's used throughout. Notice verse 18, all authority. Verse 19, all the nations. Verse 20, observing all that I command you, I am with you always. Now, gang, follow with me. All power, all authority is given to us by him. That means that God never asks us to go anywhere do anything or say anything without giving us the authority to get it done. I, I tell you, I understand these young ladies, how scary it is in Peru. Gang, you ought to be a preacher. About Saturday afternoon, about 4 o'clock, I go into a shutdown mode because I know that in the morning I've got to stand and open up God's Word before a lot of people sometimes. And I don't feel adequate in my own heart and my own ability. But Jesus said, it's not your ability it's my ability that I give to you all power. And I want to tell you, beloved, don't tell me you can't teach a Sunday school class. Don't you tell me that you can't serve the Lord. Don't you tell me that you don't have any ability because it's not your ability. It's God's ability. That's why people can go to Macedonia and, and bless others while they're being blessed because all power is God's. Secondly, all people. Did you notice that's the word ethnos? It means all races, all tribes. Now, this was a charge 
for the Jews to the Gentiles. For us, it's a charge to all the world, the entire world, here and abroad, all people. Number three, all purpose. We're not to teach our ideas, gang. We're not to teach our philosophies. We're to teach what the scriptures tell us. We're to let the text drive the words. I'm telling you, gang, I've, one thing I've learned through the years of ministry is it's not, I can't tell, no one laughs at my jokes anyway, you know? If it's all about jokes, then pretty soon they're going to get tired and leave. If it's all about uh, ideas or philosophy, it doesn't work. The only thing that works is God's special revelation. And God's special revelation is what's in the Word of God. Sunday school teachers, I'm telling you, you teach the Word of God. Don't get up there and teach your own ideas because it lets people down. Preachers, I'm telling you, Tom, you don't teach your own thing. You teach the Word of God because only the Word of God changes so that's what God gets into, all purpose. You study it, you eat it, you chew it, you swallow it, you regurgitate it, and you share it for the glory of God. And then all presence. He said, lo, I am with you always. Yeah, you feel inadequate, but every time you look around, guess who's there? It's Jesus. In fact, if you look ahead a little bit, You'll find that if God's commissioned you to go, he's already went ahead of you and prepared the way. I've been in my Sunday school class. We were talking about the different names of God in the Old Testament, and we, we went into Psalm 23, and I was telling them how, how God goes ahead and prepares the pasture land of his sheep. And God doesn't ever expect you to go anywhere that he hadn't already been. God doesn't expect you to do anything that he hadn't already got prepared for you, gang. We do it. Because he's told us to do it. And so he says, as you're going, you make the disciples. You baptize them. You teach them. And I want to tell you, dear church, you're going to be hearing a lot more about discipleship over the next 6 to 12 to 18 months. It's a gospel mandate that God has given to the church. It is not that we are to do the things we like to do necessarily or get only what we like or expect everything to fall our way. That's the norm. That's what churches do today. But it's to take the gospel. We're to lose our customs. We're to lose that which is normal. We're to be more concerned about those that didn't get on the lifeboat. 2,200 souls, 705 survived. On that fateful night, gang, there were three classes of people. First class, Second class, third class. All of those classes were distinguished by social prominence or by wealth, maybe possessions, popularity, whatever. On that night when the Titanic went down, guess what, what was not there? Distinctions. There wasn't any social distinctions. There wasn't any racial distinctions. There wasn't any national distinctions. They were all just people. And they were all just dying. All people, all tribes, all ethnos. And they were just all dying. 
from the lowest galley servant and immigrant to John Jacob Astor IV and Benjamin Guggenheim, great industrial leaders, to Molly Brown, the actress. Gang, they were just people. Only two lifeboats went back, and only three were plucked out of the water by the two lifeboats that went back. And I want to submit to you, dear people, we who live in Saline County, we can't let that happen to Bryant. We can't let that happen to Benton. We can't let that happen to Mableville. We can't let that happen to Arta Creek. We can't let that happen to, to Haskell. We can't let that happen to Malvern. I'm telling you, we can't let it happen. Because at the end of the day, when it's all over, everybody's the same. They're lost or they're saved. Well, let's pray together. Stu, would you come for just a moment? I know it's time to go.